ma chère mademoiselle, it is with deepest pride and greatest pleasure that we welcome you tonight. And now, we invite you to relax, let us pull up a chair, as the dining room proudly presents your dinner. Hello, and welcome to the Enchanted Podcast. This is your host, Lauren Arnold. And this is your co-host, Hallie Garrett. And welcome to a special bonus episode mm -hmm. of the Enchanted Podcast. Today, we are taking you on a tour of the newest attraction to Tokyo Disneyland Resort, the Enchanted Tale of Beauty and the Beast. I am thrilled to be doing this <laughs> because uh, as, as Hallie knows, this is everything to me right now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I, I went very in depth with this ride, just looking at every single detail because I don't know, it kind of makes me, I don't know, it has the same type of feeling <clears throat> that Rise of the Resistance has, where you're like in the story, you're not experiencing it from the outside. So, I don't know, I just, that's it, I'm leaving it there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, when, even before it was released, they, I think like about a year ago, or at the beginning of this year, they had released a little behind the scenes of it, mainly about how the animatronics were working, which we discussed a little bit in the previous episode. But the people who were working on the ride vehicles were saying that the trackless vehicles give like such a new sensation to storytelling within the ride because it makes you feel like you are dancing throughout it because it's very much music-based and the entire point is, I mean, the ride vehicle is a teacup. So the entire point is for the guests to feel like they are an enchanted object interacting with the rest of the show. And with that being said, I think this even goes outside of the ride because there is a new expansion, I guess you could say, to their Fantasyland area over there. And it's very similar to new Fantasyland in Walt mm -hmm. Disney World. And I, I wrote down a few things that they have in the expansion that I wanted to talk about. Cause I, the thing with this new ride is that, like we said, it's putting you in the story and how can they get you in the story before you even get on the ride? Yeah, That's really what the Imagineers were working on. So we have Belle's house, uh, which is very true to the film. Uh, I noticed the front door, there was a video of it, and the front door of her house looks exactly like it did in the movie when she <laughs> kind of comes out of the door in the beginning and has her book, and then they go into the big musical number. So it's just, I don't know. It, it's very nostalgic. Mm -hmm. for um, and then there's also a little town square with the bookshop, Gaston's Tavern. There's a little uh, stand called Le Fou's, and it's like a churro stand. Um, <laughs> and there's a gift shop that's actually inspired by the hat store. The hat lady 
in uh, oh, the ocean okay. number. So that's really cute. Yeah, um, I think that Gaston's Tavern is a little bit more of a big deal in Tokyo because unlike in Disney World where we have the new Fantasyland area, which is very similar to the one that was just done in Tokyo, Gaston's Tavern is like a nice like little quick service, but also we have uh, the Be Our Guest restaurant, which is very hard to get into. They have some great food and it's similar to the ride where it really puts you in the story, but instead of a ride, you're obviously sitting down and eating. So I've seen people saying that it's like pretty hard to get into Gaston's Tavern and everything. Um, and the store that you were talking about also looks just very, very detailed. Yeah, I, I think a lot of it comes down to the window displays because yeah the architecture of the buildings in that area is very similar. Um, and, you know, it, it's got texture to it, but they're all that same style. So I think when you walk around and you don't have anything else to look at, it could feel maybe a little bland, not very interesting. Mm -hmm. So they threw in these window displays that have very intricate hats and dresses and all within the theme of Beauty and the Beast. And you feel like you're there. And one thing I noticed is they have, I think they have the fountain um, yeah. that Will sits down and reads her book at. And there's signs that kind of tell you like, go this way and you'll be here or what, like directional signs. And they're themed to the same signs from the DVD menu. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't know that's just like a specific thing I remember from when I watched the movie when I was little mm -hmm. and those little town signs were just it had a certain style to it and I feel like that one small little prop ties in everything it's pretty great they're not, they're not only taking just from the actual movie, they're taking from the DVD selection. That's <laughs> very impressive and obviously means a lot to those who love the movie. And the, the town square area is small. It's not, I mean, I would say it's from what it looks like, because I am not physically there, but it looks like it's probably the same size as the Bell area we have in Walt Disney World? It is very small. It's almost just like a walkthrough area and then you just have the little square with like Gaston's Tavern in the gift shop. But I mean even though it's small, you mentioned earlier, it's all about the world building. It's all about putting you into that story before you even get onto the ride. Yeah and so when you exit the town square you kind of get into this area that's going to lead you to the castle. And there is that carriage out front that had Belle and her father in it. So that's like another little, I, I don't want to say it's an Easter egg because it's very clear, but it's just another added detail that themes everything. Mm -hmm. um, and kind of makes me think that guests who are in the land at that time are experiencing the area after the movie 
that the story that you are taking as a guest in the park happens after the movie based off of the, the things that you see around the park. Mm-hmm. Um, another kind of detail with that is that it's a similar entrance to Be Our Guest restaurant for the castle. And the colors of the castle also indicate that you're experiencing the story after the events of the movie, because Mm -hmm. there's a lot of lavender, there's a blush rose color, and there's some gold detailing. And it looks, I think, a little more like the castle after the curse is broken. Yeah, I would agree with that. And I think it's kind of like you're supposed to go into the town and then almost go immediately into the ride and see that change happen within the ride. And then you exit and you kind of understand that everything has changed. The beast is now the prince, all of that good stuff. Right. So let's talk about the ride. Um, This is a trackless, they say e-ticket attraction. Um, it is now currently only operating with a virtual queue because they don't want anyone waiting in line and gathering close together for pandemic reasons. <laughs> um, virtual queues have also just proven to work extremely well with Rise of the Resistance. Oh, absolutely. And <clears throat> this, I don't know much of what the queue looks like before the pre-show, but Yeah, neither do I. (laughs) Yeah, when you do get to the pre-show, this is like the the foyer of the castle, Mm -hmm. and there's that grand staircase, and this was kind of interesting. Me and Hallie had some ideas on this. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you see the grand staircase, and to me, when I first saw it, the room is very dark, and it reminded me of Phantom Manor in Disneyland Paris because their version of Haunted Mansion actually starts when you get on the ride and you see the bride at the top of the stairs. And it's the same style staircase. It has the dark lighting. So those two things lined up for me. Mm-hmm. And then when they got in the room, they're playing sort of that darker mysterious type of music and it was really making me think it was Haunted Mansion which I don't know it just it just (laughs) did and then you pointed out something I didn't notice at first so talk about that are we talking about the stained glass window yes okay so Lauren pretty much set it up but once everyone is gathered into the room the storytelling really begins And that's when the stained glass appears. It's extremely iconic from the movie. It sets up the entire movie. So why shouldn't it set up the ride? It makes total sense. But I got uh, a lot of Tower of Terror at Tokyo Disney Sea from this setup because they use the exact same storytelling through another stained glass window where they tell the story of Harrison Hightower stealing that like forbidden and cursed idol. And they don't, they do have an animatronic within the room that actually comes to life and kind of interacts with the stained glass. So I felt they used a lot of the Imagineering from that and brought it over to this ride because they have 
the transforming stained glass, which is extremely beautiful. But then they introduce the characters to us. We see Belle at one uh, balcony and she kind of comes out. I'm assuming she's looking for her father. And then on the other balcony, we have the beast. And both of these are animatronics. Um, so it kind of just draws you in a little bit more to that story before you even get on the ride. Yeah, and if, if you do watch the ride through of this, everything is in Japanese, which I know if you're hearing it right now, you're probably thinking, oh my God, I'm not gonna understand anything that's going on. But the fact is, you actually understand everything that's going on because even though it might be in a different language, the story is illustrated so well in real life that you, I don't think you need to understand what they're saying. Yeah. Uh, I think the music speaks for itself and the sound effects speak for itself. So mm -hmm. I did not see the language as an issue in this no, case. not in any way. Um, and so yes, you're right. This is when Belle is looking for her father and she first comes to the castle. And I, I did notice in the video, it's kind of hard in the beginning to see the beast. Like, you know that he's there. You mm -hmm. kind of see his silhouette and you see that he can move. But then that's when, after watching this many times, uh, I did realize that Belle says, step into the light. And that's when they illuminate the beast animatronic and you can see everything. And it is, I don't even, I don't know how they do it. I just don't. It's, it's magic. Uh, but pretty much after that, it's, they kind of just push you through the queue. It's, it's kind of like, oh, this, abrupt event has happened, you must go. <laughs> and they kind of push you out. Yeah. Um, I would say they definitely try to keep the story going while you're going through the ride. But as you mentioned, it's kind of like Rise of the Resistance. And I feel like that's maybe why in the ride through they don't show like the beginning line before the pre-show because in Rise of the Resistance, it's a lot of, there's not too, too much to show. Like it's nice, it's pretty, but it's not too involved with the storytelling. Whereas right after the pre-show, it is kind of uh, kind of similar. You do get that kind of show setting up where you move through the kitchen, but you do have that storytelling bit where you can see the beast's shadow and he's kind of angry or he's yelling, he's upset. So you do okay. get that, but since this is a virtual queue, you're just kind of going all at once. Yeah. I mean, they move pretty fast. And if you watch the video, you can tell no one is standing around and waiting, um, yeah. which is a good thing because I don't know, I wouldn't want to wait in line. I'd want to get on the ride. But there is that, you know, you do kind of lose seeing some of the details when you do move that fast. But that little window display that's going on, I think is the beast telling Belle that he must, that she must have dinner with him. Mm -hmm. Because immediately after that, we start to notice things in the queue that tell us that we're in the kitchen. Yeah. Um, this is, I think, well, 
this is one of my favorite things about this ride because the queue itself already puts you in the story. And I noticed pots and pans hanging from the ceiling. Uh, you pass by uh, Chef Bouche, the mm -hmm. stove. Uh, and there is some like kitchen clatter sounds going on in the queue. Uh, there's dishes on display on a shelf on the wall. So you know you're in the kitchen and then you get up to where you're ready to get on the ride and you hear this grand music start to play when the party in front of you is put into the ride. And now your teacup, your vehicle comes to you and you automatically know right away, oh, we are the dishes and yeah. we're about to be sent out for dinner. So they did, I don't know, it just moves so seamless. I don't feel like you lose the story. I feel like that can happen easily in a line. I was about to mention, I was gonna say it was a very interesting choice that Imagineers made where they're almost dropping you into the middle of the movie. And that's why the queue and the outside setting is so important because I think if this were just standalone, you just went immediately on the ride, you might be a little confused. You might not know these characters. Obviously people know who Beauty and the Beast are, but let's say you didn't. <laughs> the ride kind of sets up the, the small provincial town that Belle grew up in. So although we don't have that song in the, in the ride, we get that sense, that feeling. You might learn who Gaston is on your way to the ride. And then the queue sets up Belle's arrival to the castle, kind of the situation, and the two main characters, Beauty and the Beast. Yeah. So it's definitely extremely important. And I think it works well since the ride does drop you quite literally into the middle of the plot line. I feel like that's something we don't see a lot. Yeah. I, this is kind of a new take, and I like it. If you uh, compare it to, like, The Little Mermaid, uh, The Voyage with Ariel, I mean, that takes you right from the beginning all the way to the end, but it'd be completely different. They'd have to make an entirely new queue. Yeah. <laughs> that side area, kind of like what they did here to make it work. And I really want to know, this is just me as a fan, I just want to know what it smells like in the queue. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. That's I don't know. Question. I mean, do we smell uh, some nicely baked bread? Do we smell, I don't know, some tomato soup or something? Or is it maybe a little bit sweeter and we smell the dessert? I don't, I want to know. Yeah. Come with, come to me with the, uh, the sense lab and I will <laughs> gladly uh, be a, be a tester for you because that would be amazing. Um, so yeah, those, that, that's really the main parts of the queue. And I, I really like it, but we did say they're dropping us into the middle of the story. So then once you're in your teacup, this big, loud, grand music plays, and then they literally push you out into this dark room and then you hear you hear that music and you're like oh <laughs> i know what's happening <laughs> and 
Lumiere is there right in front of you mm -hmm. and the spotlight is on him and he introduces Be Our Guest. And what I really like about this is as you start to dance around, there's certain things that start to appear on the table. Mm -hmm. And this is a, I think it's a very classic trick that they used. Yeah. But it doesn't come off as cheesy or, you know, weird in any way. I think it's done seamlessly and it, it, I don't know, it just goes with everything. But you can kind of see on the table, there's these little boxes, these little squares. So they uh, actually distract you and turn your vehicle around to look at all of the dancing plates mm -hmm. so that when you turn back around, all of this food is magically on the table. Yeah. And I, I think it's a great start to a ride. I don't know. It's just so fun. It's great. I think there's also a lot of lighting factors that make it very integral at being the first scene because as you said before you're even inside the room they play that little fanfare and I could imagine if you're waiting if you're like second to go you might be trying to look into that room but it's completely dark they're not going to give you a little taste before you go in besides that fanfare music and using the lighting is just very smart with introducing Lumiere and then Belle with Mrs. Potts and then again distracting you by making certain things darker and lighter, and then voila, things magically appear on the table from that. <laughs> yeah, and lots of projection mapping going on too, and that's yeah. something we'll start to notice in this ride. So they kind of like project the bubbles from all of the drinks. I was so upset. I thought the bubbles were real at first. <laughs> I did too. I, I Very realistic. I actually had to pause the video. Yeah. Because <laughs> I couldn't tell if they really blew out bubbles, which actually would be really, really cool. Uh-huh. And who knows, it might be an update in the future because they always have to update. I mean, they do bubbles every single time and the Muppets, uh, Muppets 3D. <laughs> so I think they should do that. That would be really fun. Yeah, I agree. And this whole scene is just really immersive because you get really close to the mm -hmm. animatronics. Like, I think almost close enough to touch them almost. At no. least that's, <laughs> um, <No. laughs> that's just how it looked from the video. Obviously things on videos to screens can sometimes be distorted a little bit. So it may not really be that close, but it looked pretty cool. Um, so that's be our guess. I, I don't think we need to, to say anything else on that. Yeah, I think that covered mainly it. But, uh, oh, go ahead. I was going to say the second scene takes uh, quite the more drastic turn. I feel like Be Our Guest is very fun-filled and energetic, whereas the second room kind of takes it down a notch. A little bit. Um, yeah. it, th this, is, this is cool because this is another 360 view of everything. Mm -hmm. um, there is no watching this from the outside. You are in the scene. And this is the something there scene, which I don't know. I, at first I thought that maybe it wasn't totally necessary that they put that scene in there, although it's a great scene and I love it. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but then I thought about it a little bit more and realized it was very important to include it because that yeah. is the moment when B starts to fall in love with Belle. So yeah. that also, you know, we have a beast animatronic in here that I also just noticed <laughs> is holding a bird, one bird, when you enter the scene. And throughout the scene, towards the end, when you come back to the beast, he has like a whole flock of birds on him. <laughs> so that's a little detail that changes and you may not notice it the first time you see it. So that's cool. Um, we need to talk about Belle and Philippe. This animatronic. Yeah. Um, very lifelike oh it was like one of the first ones i think shown in that little behind the scenes action and i think it just like blew everyone's minds insanely realistic (laughs) and they got a lot of the animators from the original movie to animate the animatronics which Mm -hmm. i think makes them even better (laughs) Uh, I think it's interesting to work with those uh, animators from 1991 because they were working completely in the 2D style and then they have to magically, you know, bring it to 3D style and then make it actually physical three-dimensional. So it's quite literally going, you know, like from pen and paper to like right in front of your eyes. I think I have two things that I'm not totally excited about for Mm. this scene. One is that there's lots of spinning going on. Yeah. Uh, It it gets a little dizzy uh, watching the video, I will say, Um, because your vehicle not only spins, but it kind of tilts and turns on its own also. So there's a lot of movement going on, which is great, but this is a very long scene. Yeah, I feel like they decided to do this because, as I mentioned, it is kind of a slower song. It's a little bit more sobering compared to the first uh, room, which was a lot of movement, a lot of noise, light, everything. This one's much calmer, and I think they were like, okay, how can we make this a little more entertaining, a little more interactive? Let's spin them around as much as possible. And yeah, I I agree with that. Um, You are technically supposed to be ice skating, though, I believe. Yes. And I also think that the rest of the ride moves very quickly. Mm -hmm. So I don't think that they wanted any vehicles running into one another. Like, I think they want to keep the same group of four vehicles together at all times, and they don't want to have the group end up being a group of six mm-hmm. or a five, you know, and running into other, because you want the story to stay consistent. So uh, that could also be maybe just a timing thing with how the, the ride is laid out. So there is that to consider. Um, so we exit that scene and we see Belle and the Beast on a balcony. They completely skip the ballroom scene, but mm-hmm. There is a reason for that. Yes. 
And I think just this scene alone is gorgeous and it's not, this is a little more of kind of looking on the outside. You're kind of just watching them. Yeah. Uh, so this is a little bit different, but yeah, I, I, I don't know. It, the shooting star effect. It's really pretty. The subtle like tilt of Belle's head. It's just, I don't know. It feels so natural, mm-hmm. even though it's not. They, congrats. That's all. <laughs> congrats. Uh, so there's a loud knock uh, from behind you. So that's Gaston and his mob. Yeah. Coming to kill the beast. I feel like this, I can't even know, I don't even know if I could like technically call it a room. It's almost like, it kind of reminds me of the hallway in um, Haunted Mansion where you spun around a lot and it kind of transitions like a few times very subtly. I get that a lot from this because, I mean, as you mentioned, the very first thing you see, it's Belle and the Beast, so romantic. And then you turn around and there's an angry mob. I mean, they do a fantastic job transitioning that and making it still feel very seamless. I just love the effect. I like the projection because even though it might be a screen, you know, mm-hmm. we don't know the specifics, but that is, you know, what it looks like. Even though it could be a screen that is, you know, projected behind a fake window. I don't know. It has a real quality to it. And it, it's kind of scary. I'll say like, I mean, it's not like, oh, you like your ride vehicle turns around. No, they like whip you around. Yeah. Very quick. And they, you even have uh, Madam Wardrobe trying to hold back all the pitchforks coming through the door, (laughs) which I love. And this is when you pass some statues, which are also projected, and the enchanted rose that is dying. Yes. Very important detail. So I think this is everyone's favorite scene. Maybe. I don't know. Yeah. But I think. It's the most impressive. It's <laughs> yeah. got a lot going on. So the transformation scene... I think we talked about this last time. I thought it was just going to be a static scene, nothing much happening, very similar to the balcony. Yeah. Um, But then we got projection mapping effects on the beast. Then he's lifted off the ground and rotated right side up. Mm -hmm. He spins around and then the prince appears. Out of thin air. (laughs) That is a very simplified four steps of what happens. Yeah, you got to watch it for yourself. You can't really describe it and do it justice. No. And like we said, this is the same effect used on Jack Sparrow from Shanghai Disneyland. This is like a twist on the Pepper's Ghost effect that we Mm -hmm. see in Haunted Mansion. Um, It's a bunch of lighting tricks. And you also see that with the statues and the walls of the castle, because those start to transform also. That's a lot of projection mapping. And I think the amount of projection mapping they do in this ride is also very similar to Rise of the Resistance. 
Yeah. Because you're kind of blending all of these different forms of technology into one ride. And that's exactly what Rise of the Resistance is. You know, they may be two totally different rides and two totally different experiences, but you still get the same quality out of it. Yeah, as soon as I saw the transition, all I could think of was when the stormtroopers shoot at you on Rise of the Resistance and those blast marks, like the ceiling completely transforms. And although it does look like a blaster is actually hit, it's just that projection mapping, like transforming it to make it more believable and realistic. It's amazing. And of course, the music is a big part of this ride. So once the castle transforms, these doors open and you're in the ballroom. But when you first enter the ballroom, it's kind of dimmed down. The lights are dimmed a little bit. And then when you get in there, all the lights come on and the music starts. And it's a very exciting scene. Mm -hmm. And like like I said before, very nostalgic. Uh, It did make me tear up (laughs) when I watched it. Um, I'm not afraid to admit that. (laughs) Um, and I think at first, you know, your eyes are totally drawn to Belle and the Prince, but then I notice as you kind of start to move around and, and spin around, everyone is human again Mm -hmm. and they're actually there. It's not just Belle and the Beast. It's everybody. It's Mrs. Potts, Chip, Lumiere, Cogsworth. It's, I just, I don't know. It just makes me really happy. It, <laughs> it's quite the satisfying ending. Yes. Because you've seen, you've technically seen these characters all throughout it without really noticing them like 100%. And then at the end, you finally get that chance to. And this is also a scene that has a very interesting animatronic because like we said in our last episode, the prince's feet are moving. Yeah. It's quite uh, impressive. They are lifting off the ground. So this is a very, I, I'm, look, I say, oh yeah, this is a very like complex, new advanced animatronic, but what do I know? Because I don't work there. <laughs> <laughs> and neither do I understand how engineering works for animatronics. <laughs> so I can't, I can't say that it's a very complex animatronic. But from what I've heard from other people and just from what I've seen, I can say it was a job well done. Yeah. It will definitely fool you. And this is also a long scene with lots of spinning, except I don't have a problem with this scene. (laughs) I think after a while, in something there, I get a little bored, and I'm like, aren't we supposed to be, is this it? Is there more to the ride, or are we just going to sit here? But with this scene at the end, heck, I could dance there all day. I mean, I feel like it has a lot to do with the music, actually, because, like, while the animatronics and both are equally, like, amazing, because, I mean, Belle and her horse are insane, the birds coming in but something there is a very like kind of repetitive you kind of know what's coming especially it being in another language I feel like it's going to seem to stay the same after a while this one in this final scene 
the music really transforms in a way. It's telling you it's a finale. It keeps building and building and building. So it's kind of like you are waiting. You're going to keep getting more and you know it. And I also, I was thinking about this and something there, you know, animatronics are not dancing in that scene. They're very static. They're staying in one place, even though they're still moving and very fluid. But mm -hmm. at the end in the ballroom scene, they're dancing and you're dancing with them. And it's a whole, it's all happening as a group. It's, you know, everyone's kind of going their own way around the ballroom. And then at the end, you all gather around Belle and the prince dancing and you all slowly dance around them. And it's just, oh, I don't know. <laughs> this, I just want to go. I, I want to go and experience this for myself. Me too. It's amazing. And so we exit the scene to see the stained glass and the rose on a fountain. And it's, it's a nice, nice close to the ride. And it wants, it really makes you want to go on it again. It does. Because it goes full circle. It does. And this is, I don't it, I think the ride itself is about seven or eight minutes, but the whole experience with the pre-show and the queue, if you're not waiting in a long line, mm -hmm. is about a 15 minute ride experience. Pretty good. Um, I know that Rise of the Resistance runs a little bit long, but I think it's still about the same time where maybe the whole experience is 20 minutes. I think, it, yeah, that sounds about right. Because I still have not experienced it. <laughs> I'm still very mad. <laughs> <laughs> I think Rise of the Resistance may be a bit longer because in Beauty and the Beast, uh, we only have that one pre-show, whereas I think Rise of the Resistance has like Five. <laughs> yeah, a lot. <laughs> the line is technically never ending, but you're also in the ride, so who cares at that point? Um, but no, they definitely have similarities, and I think it was smart of them to take after the whole, that whole ride experience of putting you in it and, I don't know, getting the story going. Yeah. Well, I'm very excited to actually see some updates in the future because I would love that bubble effect and be our guest. Yeah. So let us know what your thoughts of the Enchanted Tale of Beauty and the Beast is. Uh, we would love to hear what you guys are thinking and maybe maybe some Easter eggs we didn't catch. I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot going on. So it's possible we've missed a lot, but we kind of broke it down scene by scene trying to tear it apart and <laughs> and look for every little detail but uh we want to hear maybe what your favorite scene is from the ride through and thank you for listening to this bonus episode of the enchanted podcast we will be back probably later this week because <laughs> this is a bonus so we'll be back later this week with another new episode of the Enchanted Podcast. Thank you for listening and have a magical day.